0: However, standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who?
1: Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing.
0: Uh, Well, George Clooney, of course.
1: <laughs> who else could it be? Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed.
2: Carry on, maggot.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Primetime with Sean Mooney. We're coming off a very inspiring episode with Jerry Lynn. And he is uh, one individual who worked his ass off uh, during his wrestling career Obviously, he was very well thought of. I mean, that guy worked for just about every organization out there, including the WWE. But uh, like I said, he was well thought of. And the way you could tell that is uh, when, you know, they keep you on to do other things. And there were points in his career when he was injured, and many of these companies uh, kept him on, um, you know, to work behind the scenes when he was battling injuries. And right now, He is working with AEW. You know, uh, I've been thinking a lot about this, and of course it uh, works right into our guest this week, but you know, managers used to play a major role in storylines in professional wrestling. I mean, since the beginning of uh, wrestling, they've had managers, and uh, especially during the time that I was with the WWF slash WWE, you know, managers were a big part of what was happening there. And, you know, some of the best, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, of course, Jimmy Hart, You know, Sensational Sherry was an awesome manager. She was somebody who could mix it up in the ring. And uh, that would certainly include my guest this week, Kenneth Wayne Johnson. Kenneth Wayne Johnson, does that name ring a bell? Ding, 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 no? Uh, Yeah, of course it does. How about if I say the doctor of style, Slick? That's right. And the doctor of style had a style all his own. So what do you say? Let's get to my conversation with Slick. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, folks, not only were the 80s and 90s the golden era for superstars in the WWF, it was also an incredible period of time in the world of professional wrestling for managers. Yeah, you remember them. The word slingers, the ones who knew how to put someone over and make them seem like the greatest wrestler to ever step in the ring. Or, of course, they could bury a foe and leave them smoldering at ringside. Uh, During my time with the WWF, they had the best of the best, and that included Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Hart, and my guest on Primetime This Week, Kenneth Wayne Johnson, better known back in the day as the Doctor of Style Slick. Uh, Ken, thanks so much for coming on Primetime. How are you? It's been a while.
1: I'm great. How are you? I'm,
0: I'm fantastic, man. I, uh, I know that uh, we saw each other. We were talking the other day, I think about six years ago at the thousandth episode of Raw.
1: It might have been longer, but
0: uh, you had a good time there, didn't you? That was fun.
1: I did, and it was good to see you. I hadn't seen you probably in twenty years. Yeah, I,
0: yeah, it goes by quick, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yes, it does. Hey, you know, as uh, matter of fact, I've been. A, well, I'm sorry. No, good. Matter of fact, what? As a, as a matter of fact, I've actually been away from the WWE on a full time basis for twenty six years, man.
0: Yeah. Well, I left in '93, so mm-hmm. I've been gone even longer,
1: but. Uh... It's it's kind of amazing. Well, huh? well no, that's, what, that's, that's when I left in you, 93.
0: Yeah, you left in 93. Wow. We, and you know what? I think you came in in 86 and I came in mm-hmm. in 87, so we were both there just about the same amount of time.
1: Same time. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, I know you're busy now. I mean, you're as busy as ever, though. You're going back and forth. We've been trying to uh, get this conversation together for a while, but your ministry keeps you pretty busy, it sounds.
1: It does, you know, I'm in full-time pastorate, right. uh, I, I, and I have, I serve a congregation, and so it has many challenges, but also many responsibilities,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so, and uh, for a while, I was in education. I'm a, I'm an educator by trade, mm-hmm. and uh, so from time to I do some substitute teaching, although right now, I've just dedicated full-time to my ministry.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that that was a part of your life, even when you were with the WWF and
1: in uh, in professional wrestling, right? Well, throughout the entire time of my career, yeah, I was a, I was a, I was a pastor,
0: yeah,
1: uh, and I would go on Sundays and uh, and serve my congregation, and then I'd catch a plane in the evenings to get back to wherever our show was.
0: Wow. So you know, considering what that schedule was like back then, how in the world did you pull that off? Because they were, you know, a lot of times these superstars would be on the road for, you know, three four weeks at a time. You guys are doing sometimes uh, six seven days a week. Did you have it uh, an agreement that that was something they couldn't mess with, or how do, how were you able to pull that off?
1: Well, actually, it was through the graciousness of uh, Vincent uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, he um, he facilitated. The, my ability to uh, get early flights out on Sundays and get to my church and then and then get back, you know, to uh, to do the shows, and I'm grateful to him for that.
0: Yeah, that is uh, that's pretty amazing. Um, before we get to that part of your life, I want to uh, cover some other ground here, and and first, just talk about because when I when I brought you into this conversation, I was uh, reminiscing about the managers, and they were such a huge part of what we like to refer to as the golden er, golden era on this uh, podcast you know the 80s and 90s why did you think they had such a big impact on professional wrestling at that time
1: i think that managers were like an accessory uh for instance uh you wear a suit right yeah and so the suit the suit it it will stand up for itself but then when you accessorize by <laughs> adding a necktie and a handkerchief.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, then it, it complements it. And that's what the managers did. The managers were very, very vital and important, uh, uh, integrally uh, 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 important to wrestling because of the various angles that they would uh, help the, uh, the wrestlers to get over by doing you know, like putting the referee away and uh, doing something to get some heat while the, an opponent was in a corner or yeah. those type of things. And then most of the times uh, managers had to have the gift to gab. Oh, yeah. And uh, so the, some of, most of the wrestlers that had managers really could not talk well. They didn't have yeah. good mic skills.
0: Right. Hmm. So that was your job. I mean, and, and, and that's a really good point because uh, especially then in the independent circuit, they had guys do promos, but not on the level that you had to be at when you got to the WWF. And uh, were you always like that, Ken, growing up? I, I just wonder what you were like with a kid, as a kid. Were you uh, always able to uh, verbalize? You're able to uh, disarm people with uh, what you could say? When did you realize you had that talent?
1: Well, but before I answer that question, yeah. let me allude to something that you said, mm-hmm. and that was that on the independent circuit, yeah. that the managers didn't have to do as many promos stuff as they did for WWE. And I, I don't know if that's 100% accurate, because the promos are part of building the hype,
2: yeah.
1: which sells the tickets. So it, it, regardless of the promotion, the professionalism had to be at the same level. Because oh, yeah. even yeah. on the independent second circuit, circuit they were still trying to put uh put bottoms in the seat, you know. Well,
0: well and, and that's exactly my point. So, that's exactly so I my point.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Mhm. Mhm. So now to answer your the next question, I I, I probably realized the gift that I had when I was a child. Yeah. Uh but, you know, 'cause I've been a I've been a preacher since I was nine years old. Really? And yes, and so I've I, I realized it then, and even to this day, there are those who say I have a the gift to gab, uh, <laughs> and it, it certainly has has led to success in my ministry,
2: yeah.
1: and it, it and it has led to success with my relationships with people, yeah. um, my interactions and my interpersonal skills.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned you said nine. So when did you start? Uh, were you able to get up and perform in uh, front of people? Because that that certainly is part of it. And, and, you know, how old were you then when this started? And was it related to church that that's where you, you know, found your stage?
1: Well, believe it or not, Sunday school.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I'm sure you have fond, been fond memories of Sunday school. And so, you know, at Sunday school, when you finish going over the lesson, Mm-hmm. Then they would ask. They would ask people to give a summary, and so I was always able to give a summary that, to some degree, astounded uh, the adults. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, so you know that was my first exposure with really public speaking.
0: Yeah, but you said you were nine. I mean, were you actually getting up and uh, you know? Leading a sermon, or what did that consist of at nine?
1: Well, at nine, my sermons were mostly extemporaneous uh-huh. because my 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 knowledge of scripture was based upon Sunday school lessons. So I was more I was more in the area of of limited in, uh, academically. Mm-hmm. with 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 what i was saying but but from a practical perspective i was always very good even at an early age mm-hmm.
0: that's uh that's really interesting and then you have this this combination now uh with your father who many people know or maybe they don't uh was rufus r freight train jones and uh how did this the combination of you uh, you know being actively involved in the church uh, at such a young age, and then also how did professional wrestling mix into your life?
1: Well, it didn't in those days uh-huh. uh, you know just like any other any other parent, you know uh, it, children go to school and they have their lives that that uh, that are formed and are forming. Uh, in the community, church, uh, school, education, and that type of thing. And the parents are away uh, w- with their employment. And and, and first and foremost, uh, especially when I hear somebody try to give rest in a bad name and yeah. say something like drugs and all that kind of stuff, those type of things depend upon individuals. Uh-huh. It's not the business itself. You understand what I'm saying?
2: Yeah.
1: It's not the business itself. So. It was, you know, my it was, my life was the, just the life of an ordinary kid, and uh, my father's business dealings and with wrestling just never hardly came up, you know, within the household.
0: Was he around? You know, where or did he have to go off? You know, I'm wondering what it was like back then. The type of life that uh, these guys had was, he, you know, a regional area, so he didn't have to go so far away, or would he be gone for weeks at a time? How did how did it work back then?
1: Well, my father was always an international star, yeah, uh, and so, you know, he, he 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 did tours in Japan and uh, Germany and huh. you know other many other uh, 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 um, um, countries, yeah. And he was gone. That that is the unfortunate thing about employment as a professional wrestler. Yeah. You cannot make money at home.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately.
1: Yes. And you know this, there have been times and certain events and the company did all they could to, to try to prevent this particular scenario. But, there were times when, when unfortunately, we have to be uh, in Boston on a Monday, mm-hmm. and be in Los Angeles on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's the way the business is. You just can't make money at home. You got to be in those arenas all over the country.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely so money to It's Very be made. difficult.
1: Yeah, and it's very difficult if you know just to to to. to To address, you know, what you said to me, you know, it's very difficult sometimes for us to see him uh, for, you know, weeks and months at a time. And then that same thing um, happened with me and my family. You know, I was on the road a A lot. lot. I missed about a time with my kids growing up. That's just, just the unfortunate thing about wrestling.
0: Yeah, that and that is a huge price to pay, and they still pay it today, uh, Ken. You know, they it really hasn't changed. I would just talked with uh, with Corey Graves, and uh, you know, he's working as an announcer with the WWE. He was home four days out of the month, and he's got three small children, and that is a huge price because uh, you want to provide for your family. You've got a, a terrific opportunity to do it, but what the price you pay is the time that you. Want to spend with those children and your family?
1: Uh, the, the price, in my opinion, is astronomical. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you never get that time back. Yeah, you know, you know anything? Your your ten year old is uh, fifteen. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's twenty. Yeah. house. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, man. And you, you know, you just can't get that time back. Yeah. And, uh, and I dreaded it. I'm, I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I go on record as saying, I hated that part of the business. Yeah. I hated it. You yeah, man, I've spent a minute here on a plane. Now, I remember one time I had been gone like for about four or five weeks in a row. Ugh. And we, we were coming out of, uh, we were coming out of, uh, I believe it was, uh, Los Angeles. And we had a layover at DFW. Mm-hmm. And, uh, My kids came to see me. I was going to be there for three and a half hours on this layover. And don't you know that we had a busy day on that flight from Los Angeles? And when I got here, I just had time for my kids to walk with me from one gate to the other and catch that plane. I was so disappointed that day. Yes.
0: (laughs) How How many children do you have? I have eight. Wow. Man, mm-hmm. and range, ranging from age from what what to what when they were uh, at
1: one point. How long were they? Well, my I can just tell you what they what they range now. Yeah, uh, they range from thirty eight to forty
0: three. Ah, boy, well, you, that was one busy house. How
1: in the world does? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I have I have two sets of twins.
2: Uh huh. Wow.
1: Yeah, I have two I have two sets of twins. So. That kind of counted. They're going to start doubling up on me. Yeah.
2: Are, are they are, are they
0: around where you are now? Are you able to see them a lot more um, Oh yeah. these days? Yes. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. I, yeah. I've got one here with me now. He's looking at me now. Uh, uh, he's, he's named after me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So after, you know, he's after 40. all this, I mean, you knew what the life was like. Yeah. Uh, What got you into the business? Uh, How did you first uh, start becoming a part of
1: it? Believe it or not, I never, ever wanted to be a part of it. It was not my life,
2: Hmm.
1: and it was not the life that I chose. Uh And what happened, um, I was asked by a friend um, of my father's, Colonel Buck Do You remember him, Buck Robley?
0: Uh no, but uh i it, it was he, uh I could imagine what his character must have been.
1: Right. He was a heel. <laughs> yeah and he was, a, he, he was a he was a he was, a, he was a, a really, really huge star in the south. Really? In the regional church, in the NW in NWA and AWA and uh and and, and he was a really big star there. Mm-hmm. And he was a booker for, I know you know Tully Blanchard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, then you, you should be familiar with his father, Joe Blanchard. Yes. yes. Uh, okay, Joe Blanchard owned the territory in Texas, in the southwest, in San Antonio. Uh-huh. And so of Buck Robley, they needed something to kind of shock the Ed. Atmosphere and kind of brain, try to you know try to put people in the seats mm-hmm. and uh, Buck Robley thought about me mm-hmm. and so he you know he contacted my dad and and said uh, he, Buck Robley always called me he he called me old slick well we say old slick what's up old slick you know yeah. like that so my dad contacted me and said. Can you uh, just make that drive from Dallas-Fort Worth area to San Antonio and help them out and do some things? They need somebody that can talk on that TV. <laughs> so I said, "Okay, I'll do that." And see, this just uh, was actually who, who, who at that time was Lord Humongous was one of the first people that I managed.
2: All right, right. and
1: uh, Texas All Star Wrestling, right? Yeah, yes. So that's where I started. And uh so then uh, the uh announcer there and a the commentator there, Rick Stewart, he they released him and he went to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So my father was working in Kansas City, he was there with Butch Reed and Harley Race and you know, people like I bet that statue there. Yeah. Uh then. Big names. So so then they call it, it worked so well in Texas. They called and asked if I could come and do it in Kansas City,
0: so, so we, I was we, making we, this long trip. Yeah, but were you doing? Uh, you were doing. Were you doing commentary? And had you any experience Man, uh, besides uh, being was, at a mic was, in front of the church,
1: uh, uh, doing anything? No, I, I didn't. But uh-huh. what happened? I had great teachers. Uh-huh. You know, Playboy, Playboy, Gary Hart was running the world class championship uh, wrestling team with Von Erichs here. Right, and I was very close to him, and Bruce Brody and other people like that, uh, big names like that. Uh, and so, when when they asked me to come, it was understood that I was somewhat green. But then I had insight, and then you know my father started teaching me a lot, and yeah. everybody did. Um,
0: and you had that gift of gab, got to,
1: right? <laughs> now, my greatest my greatest influence yeah. when I got to the WWE. My greatest influence was three people. I have to give all credit to Bobby DeBrayon Heenan. Mm, really? I mean, he did, he latched on to me like I was his son, and we were close until Bobby died. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we, we were just that close. And Bobby Heenan taught me. He taught me how to talk, even, uh, to, to better my, my mic skills. He taught me things about the ring. Then the second person who was my learning tree, that's what he called himself, was the big cat Ernie Ladd. Mm,
2: really?
1: And you know, quite naturally, Ernie Ladd and my daddy were very, very, very close. Yeah. Yeah. And so the big cat took me up under his wing. And then the next person that really, really taught me was uh was a Dory Funk Junior. Mm. And Dory, the Funks, the Funks, Dory Funk Senior gave my father his name, Rufus R. Jones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Earlier in his career, my father's name was Buster Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And uh, Funk daddy, who ran the Amarillo Territory, gave my father the name Rufus R. Jones. Mm-hmm. So when I got up there, you know, they all knew who I you know, that was his son. And they just kind of looked out for me. And I have to say this, because I would be remiss were I uh, to neglect to say it, Harley Race also taught me an awful, awful a lot. Wow. Boy, you had
0: some yeah. uh, pretty damn good teachers, Ken. There's no question right. about that. And, wow. and,
1: and, 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 and saw Butch can't leave him out either. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so, uh, how did you start developing this character? I mean, the, the name Slick would come later, but, uh, Tell me how that character developed. You, you, you've talked about it before that it was a role that you developed, mm-hmm. and, and tell me how well, that all came about. And and who you know, uh, who who was that person when you when
1: well, you Well, became... let, 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 let me let me reiterate that Colonel Buck Ruggley gave me the name. Yeah. So when I when when I was work when I first went to to um Texas Fall Star Wrestling. Mm-hmm i was silky slim silky
0: slim <laughs> okay
1: and, yeah and so yeah. buck robert didn't like that and then you know, i think he's a little afraid of it because it actually came from a movie
0: uh-huh.
1: and so we we're scared that might be repercussions from that and and uh so so he he gave me the name slick because that's what he always called me yeah right you know i was around my father and like, oh old slick what's the old slick yeah. you know like this yeah. so they gave me the name slick and it just stuck so then when i went to kansas city my name was Slick. Yeah. So when I came to WWE, I'm one of the one of the few people that the WWE does not own my name. I I had it when I went
2: there. Yeah.
0: Really. That's awesome. Yeah. Because a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of them mm-hmm. uh, weren't able to do that. But uh, you had it. So, but tell me about the character. I mean, how did you, how did you approach it? What was the you know the whole character behind it?
1: Well, now when we get off into that yeah. i don't i don't i have to i have to watch what i say because i don't want to infer that i'm throwing racism uh-huh. uh playing a race card yeah but my character was supposed to be an intellectual extremely rich african american uhhuh who came in and who bought classes, Freddie Blast's half interest in his stable? All
2: right.
1: And who who was a shrewd businessman who was extremely slick. Uh, shrewd. About doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's shrewd. Yeah. Uh, shrewd as a sinner. Uh, slick. You understand what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah, I
1: got it. Okay, and, and so, but what happened? As as, as as Caucasians will do, whenever a black man shows up with a suit, then the first thing they go to saying is "pimp,"
2: mm-hmm.
1: pimp, you know, pimp this. So it wasn't the WWE that brought about the pimp thing; it was actually the fans who did that uh-huh. So now, did you initially so, and
0: uh, before? Uh, I guess we should talk uh, about how that that path to the WWF came about because. Like you said, you went to Kansas City. Uh, how did they notice you? How did you get noticed to where uh, they, because that was, you know, back then that was when the WWF was really starting to roar, and uh, mm-hmm. they needed good talent, and uh, and they were shopping. Well, so how two, did they notice you?
1: Okay, two things happened. Number one, Bruiser Brody wanted. Him, uh, uh, us, me, and, and himself mm-hmm. to go to New York as a team. He thought because see, New York had never had a black manager. Uh-huh. When I went out as, as 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 I am uh, advertised as the first African American uh, manager in WWE history, mm-hmm. so he thought, man, wow, with his with his persona, and with my gift to gab, yeah, uh, we would be great. We we have all the heat in the world, you know. Yeah. So he want he wanted me to go with him. Well, the WWE knows what's going on in every territory. Or they knew, brother, what was going on in every territory. Yeah. So they already had heard of me and knew of me. So somebody and I think it was Jim Barnett, but I don't really want to go on record as saying that, but I will say that's who I think it was.
2: Yeah.
1: Came up with the idea. We haven't had an African-American intercontinental champion. Butch Reed at that time was ranked number two in the world. Uh as a top, top heel. Uh So they said, let's do this. Let's bring Butch Reed in. And, uh, put this uh this this slick character with him mm-hmm. will dye Butch Reed's hair blonde right. and make him the natural yeah. and it'll go over like thunder. <laughs> so I had to choose between Bruce Brody and Butch Reed. Mm-hmm. And of course my choice was Butch Reed. Because I felt a sense of loyalty to him. Yeah. Because we were working the territory together.
0: Yeah. He was a mentor.
1: Yeah. Mhm.
0: Well, and it was also a big opportunity to come in. I mean, you you got to you got to grab those rings when they come around.
1: Exactly, and uh-huh. especially with the promise of uh, him becoming you know, uh, the intercontinental champion. Yeah. You know right. Right away, that's going to put you on a different pay scale. Oh yeah, and it's going to put you in a program that's going to last for some years with various people. So stability, you know, had a, had a and security certainly played a large role. Yeah.
0: And when you came in, did uh, you know Vince have his old idea? Because you, you, you and I both know how how uh, you know Vince lives every character. And he did he have his <laughs> own idea of who Slick was, or did he? leave you alone and, and say, just do what you're doing.
1: That's exactly what he did. Really? He left me alone. He said, he. I remember, I remember Dick Barnett, uh, uh, Dick uh, Barnett coming in and uh, saying, what is his costume going to be? What's he going to wear? Mm-hmm. And I remember Vince saying uh, explicitly, he's wearing it. And all I had on was a suit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I developed the doctor of style character in Kansas City. Yeah. And uh, I was, you know, really a dresser. And, I, and in real life, that's what I am. I'm, you know, like if you see me practically every day, I've got a suit on. Yeah. Really? So, 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 yeah. So, so, so that's what Vince said. You know, we're going to do this doctor of style thing. He's wearing his outfit. Yeah. That's what it's got gonna gonna be and we're just gonna hand the microphone, and let it talk. Yeah. And Vince would be so uh enamored and enthralled with my interview that doing the interview and I'm sure you remember this. Oh yeah. He would just holler. Yeah. He'd holler, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just, you know. So you know, yeah. I, I was over with Vince, man. I was over with Vince really. I have, to, and I really was. I'm not I am now. <laughs> uh, well, uh, but I was then. Yeah, yeah.
0: and you—you you really had fun with it too, uh, Ken. I, I mean, uh, it, you, Slick was over the top, and you were able to do that. And uh, you had a great cast of characters around you. I mean, you think about—well, uh, first of all, you, you with your dealings with Freddie Blassie, one of my big faves. Uh, but you know, here you're with Nikolai Volkov, the Iron Sheik. Uh, you know uh, Hercules. Uh, you know then, and then and brain. Bobby, the brain gets involved. I mean, there was just a great cast to play off of as well. I mean, back then wasn't. I mean, you must have had
1: a blast. Well, actually, it was quite difficult. Uh, why is that? The Iron Sheik and I love him. Yeah. I love him. The Iron Sheik and I love him dearly. Uh-huh. But the Iron Sheik was difficult. Oh, yeah. he's a very difficult person. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know. I mean, you know that. You know. <laughs> And, uh, and, 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 uh, but, but I I have to be fair. I have to be honest. She always liked me, but he just crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that hasn't hasn't changed much, uh, Ted. That has not changed. I'm saying that in an affectionate way, too. No, but 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 the point is... It's crazy, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. But the point is, though, you you come into the WWF at a time when it is just... It's on fire. And there are all of these Mm -hmm. tremendous characters that we've got in the WWF. So whether or not you're managing them or you're feuding with them, or there's just so much material there and a lot of people ask me now and and they wonder you know, like how did they put those stories how did they you know how does what to say to each other how did they have it all scripted and that wasn't the case at all was it <laughs> they weren't having a copy
1: and, and you know and, and people say that all the time yeah perhaps there are certain people that they do give script to okay but somebody like me,
2: yeah.
1: Vince would come over and say, this is the idea that I want generated. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you what I need. And I know that you're going to make it materialize. Uh, you'll, you'll make it a, a, a manifest itself. And I won't have to worry about it. i just tell you what I want, what I need, what I'm trying to do and hand you the mic. And that's what you know that. That's what
0: happened.
1: Yeah, And uh, I, I make it happen, too. <laughs> yeah. So, so
0: from your viewpoint, yeah. Ken, what, what was your reception like in the in the WWF at the time when you got there? First, from the fans' uh,
1: perspective. I think that the fans have always loved to hate me.
0: Love to. I was going to
1: say that. Love to hate you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there the are many guys that had the kind of heat where the fans hated. And they and they and they they hate they actually had a hate hatred for. Them. Yeah. With me, I never experienced that hostility that fans can have toward some heels. Mm-hmm. It was always like people were saying, you know, in their minds, you know what, this is a good guy, and uh, I like him. You know, we know he's playing a character, right? Because when I was out in the restaurants and when I interacted with the fans, I was always cordial, and hospitable, and 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 uh, abiding, uh, cooperative. I took the time to take the pictures with the kids and sign. Even when we'd be out eating, and that is one thing that Butch Reed could not stand. When he was out eating his meal, he did not want to be bothered. Mm. And George George was like that too. He didn't, you know, he like when he was eating, he didn't really want you to come up asking for for autographs. Yeah, well, and uh, as big as he is, you know, I imagine he get dangerous about his food. Huh. <laughs> that was probably a joke, but I. <laughs> <laughs> That's like poking a bear when he's. Uh, yeah, when he's, yeah. He's, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> it's got a big meal in front of them. Yes. You mentioned the the mm-hmm. race the race mm-hmm. uh, part of this, and and was did you experience any of that early early on as, as being the first African American manager, and really uh, on a stage like that was uh, was huge. Did you experience much of that? Was it just you know there's always uh, you know well, idiots out there?
1: Of course, yeah, of course I did. Uh, now, are you talking about from without? no i'm saying first of, of all just from the like the,
0: the the fans the the people that were out there and then also within-house
1: oh, oh of course the the fans especially in the south could be vicious uh-huh. uh you know say saying things that would be hurtful if you didn't understand that it you know this was part of the territory uh-huh. uh, and then from within you know quite naturally you have know, some of the some of the guys that were racial, you know, and made racial comments and use the N word and and that type of a thing. But I tell you that I I learned this um, when the way you react to some things will depend on how people will will pursue that that line of activity with you. Mm-hmm. I kept carried myself you know me Sean. you know number two years i always carried myself professionally but i was always affable yep yeah and uh i I only know two people in the business that just flat out didn't like me (laughs) uh so i think it's pretty good are
0: you going to tell us
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i wouldn't want to yeah Yeah. maybe we'll
0: we'll get that out of you later
1: (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> no but uh well, I, I, well, i'll say one I, i'll tell one i won't say the other okay but uh, uh 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 well i better not because you know you you, you know i know and but i don't want to get into a lawsuit either you know them saying well no i never felt that way you know what i'm saying but they know and i know yeah both of them yeah
0: yeah well, I know you've mentioned before that you didn't get along with uh, with Bubba with Big Boss Man very uh, very well. And I don't know if that was something personal or or it was a, a work thing, but
1: uh, No, that was that, I, I, that, that I never, was I, work thing that I, I that I was asked yeah. to say because we were gonna to try to do something that's you was know, on, on, on in a, one of the India India shows. And uh, yeah. I, I never had I never had uh, Big boss man and I were never close. Yeah, but we, we but we always got along.
0: But you could also do you could do business together too. Right, though. we
1: always right. got and along. Wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
0: Now, how about did you get any uh, heat from the African American community about the character? Never, never. And so they they thought it was that was awesome with what you were doing, and and
1: uh, they they uh, were happy to know. see me get the opportunity. Yeah. Cuz that's not that's and, and, that's, that's... great.
0: No, I was going to say aren't you, are not you are are you proud of of what you uh you know like you said you were the first African American manager in uh in, New York, in, in in New York for the for the World Wrestling Federation. I mean do you, are, do you think about that at all of of kind of a road that you paved for a lot of
1: people? Let me just say this. I'm extremely proud. Uh I don't want to come off As a vain person, I'm just simply trying to ask the question that was asked of me by you, and that is this. I think I'm very, very good at what I did. I think my longevity in the business proves that I was. I think the respect that I have for my peers, people like you, you wouldn't be calling me to do this interview if you didn't respect what I brought to the business. So I, oh, I was very, very good. Yeah, I was very, very good. So I'm very, very proud of my career. Uh, I think that I can say with certainty that I would be in the Hall of Fame ahead of Teddy Long had I not been a part of that lawsuit. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think I still will, because I know Vince, he's mad now. But as time goes by, he'll, he'll he'll cool off, and we'll get a chance to talk. And uh, I, I still I still believe I will be. But if I if if they never put me in there, it's still not going to take away from the fact that I was very very successful, and that my name became a household name, within wrestling circles.
0: Yeah. Well, and since you mentioned that, I mean, is that a regret of yours that uh, you were involved in that?
1: No, of course not. No, I, uh, I mean,
0: in that uh, of that loss. No,
1: no, that's what I'm saying. Of course not. No, I don't regret yeah. it. It yeah. was only fair. Yeah. It was only fair. I mean, we 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 made him billions of dollars, and mm-hmm. we and we've not been fairly compensated. And we have we have you know people, you know you get hurt all the time, you know that. And yeah. I, you know I don't want to really go into that part. I have great difficulty even with my memory. I, you know, just even now as as we've been doing this interview, I you should be summoning sometimes, trying to I can't remember what it is I want to say. It's just got all this type of thing. And then my part of the lawsuit wasn't you know, just uh wasn't centered around the C T E either. It was around you know but anyway, I don't want to get into the lawsuit publicly. But no, I have no regrets Okay,
0: okay no worries. Yeah, yeah. But you mentioned, uh, you know, these superstars. Uh, people don't realize how many bumps you guys took. <laughs> I mean, Man, of course, you probably took yeah. some pretty nasty
1: ones. Well, any any that really stand out? Yes, in Houston, Texas, it's on it's on the it's on the what is it a home coliseum video yeah. uh, video? That's uh, yeah, where Hogan threw me over the top rope, and uh, I hit that concrete uh, ground. Man, I came up spitting up blood and everything. I tell you, you mm-hmm. uh, know that that's one of the worst. And then another was what George the Animal Steel did to me in Boston once. I mean, I, I mean, his adrenaline was pumped up, and man, he he body slammed me so I came up spitting up blood on that one. Uh, <laughs> so, and he we got we were in the dressing room. He was so you know very proud of 10. I'm so sorry. I just yeah. you know I was so used to working with these 300 pounders, and you so thin, I I yeah. got carried away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> jeez
1: yeah
0: yeah you, you took a lot along the way uh I, I want to get into though some of the uh some of the guys that you enjoyed working with the most um who who are the ones that really stand out that uh, that you spent time managing uh, and, and storylines that you had with them
1: well, believe it or not, the big boss man mhm. And certainly I'm not naming in chronological order. Uh but the no, big boss man because we run around the country three different tours. Mm-hmm. So I was making man, I was making good 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 money. Uh and I, I was appreciative of Vince for putting me in that spot.
0: Um Yeah uh I don't know if people remember or not or they may not even uh know, but that's how you guys made your money. You you made your money from those house shows and those gates. You wasn't uh you weren't being paid salaries back no, then. No, we were not. So no.
1: we yeah, had a good run. Yeah. So I was able to I was able to follow Hulk Hogan all over the country and you know that was the instant sellout being on call with him. So oh, and, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what are your memories? Uh, and I want to get back to some of these personalities. But uh, what are your memories of being a part of that uh, of that WrestleMania WrestleMania three, uh, and, and being on? You know, because that was just uh, at, at working in wrestling. What else could you have possibly thought you'd end up doing in your life? Then uh, I don't know how you top that. You
1: don't. Uh, you, 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 <laughs> you, you, you don't top that. That was a pinnacle. And I, I yeah. in terms of the zine, uh, uh, man, listen, and th- listen, that was when we came out of those tunnels and to hear the electricity, the energy in the air, the tension, the expectation, the anticipation from the fans of how, what a wonderful time and what a wonderful show they were about to receive. And brother, and we all put it out. I'm telling you. And if you remember, that was the mm-hmm. show where... You know, Vince really gave me an opportunity to uh, to 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 be exposed. I went out with Hexaw Butch Reed versus Kobe Col- Ware. Mm-hmm. I went out with um, One Man Game. Uh, I went out with uh, um, Did I say Butch Reed? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, oh you were busy yeah
1: and then with with uh, nikolai <laughs> Volkov and uh iron sheet yeah. yeah so I was busy that day
0: yeah 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 what a memory so uh w- what other guys though stand out I mean the the uh, uh you work with Rick Martel and uh you know Paul Roma I know was someone else you enjoyed working with uh and the warlord so of those guys before we get into your real pal uh who are some of these other personalities that stand out to you from those days?
1: <laughs> I had to laugh because you said, before we get into your real pal, and I know that's the one-man game, yeah. so because everybody, everybody you know, yeah, I'm everybody knows about. how yeah. close we are. I just talked to him yesterday, as a matter of fact. He called me yesterday. talked two hours on the phone uh, yeah, <laughs> earlier man. in the morning. Great guy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. uh, the warlord, man, if, if there's a, a nicer guy in this world than the warlord, Kerry, uh, I just haven't met him. What a great guy yeah. he is! Very, very humble guy. Okay, hey, um, then you mentioned uh, Rick Martell. Well, let's talk about power and glory. Hercules Hernandez yeah. and uh, Paul Roma were two. We were close. We, you know, we all we all had a wonderful working relationship. Now, Rick Martell—that's a different story. Rick Martell liked me as a person. But he did not like me professionally. With him, he thought that I took away from him rather than to add to him. So he, he really? yeah, he pretty much uh, ended our time together uh, by going to Vince and saying that it just wasn't working, and you know he, he, you know, he wasn't really used to having a manager either.
0: So, yeah, well, some of some liked uh, working alone and they really felt like sharing that mic stole away from what they did. But, mm-hmm. you know, in many cases, it was a reason you were there mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. they weren't getting themselves over and they needed somebody who knew how to do it.
1: Right, right. And to be honest with you, uh. at, at that particular time, Rick had done just about everything he could do. And he didn't realize that Vince put his. Him with me to give him a shot in the arm to kind of help revive his career. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh,
0: yeah, well, and yeah, he did. Vince didn't do anything without a purpose. behind yeah. it wasn't just uh, shuffling chairs, around. right?
1: So, uh, yeah. well, Rick didn't appreciate it, and you know he he uh, he asked that we, you know, that our partnership would be dissolved. And uh, when Vince came to lead to notify me of that, I was relieved because I felt that it wasn't going anyplace anyway. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, and uh, and so let's get to George Gray because, uh, you know, it's it's funny when people find out now because back then it wasn't – people didn't have the Internet. They didn't have, uh, you know, all these this information. But you guys were legitimately uh, – you, you were, uh, you know – you traveled together. You had a lot of the same interests. You know, and I've talked to George. He was on the on the show. And, uh, you know, he said that, yeah, it was just a, a great match. We were just a good, it was, you know, we traveled together all the time. Uh, tell me about that friendship before we talk about what you guys did in the ring, because you, you did a lot.
1: Uh, well, I don't want to sound like a religious fanatic. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> our, 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 a religious imbecile. <laughs> but I will say this. I think I think that George and myself was a match made in heaven. Uh, yeah. I mean man, we our personalities were the same. Our interests were the same. Like if we get to a town early we decide we're gonna have lunch and go to go to the movies or something. We always like the same mm-hmm. thing. We never had conflict there. You know, come time to eat, we, we like eating you know the same thing. If we, if, if you know, we want Chinese, wasn't no problem. Chinese. If we wanted soul food, wasn't no problem with soul food. One, you know, just it just, we just always click. Neither one of us drank, yeah, or or yeah. you know anything else. <laughs> and uh, you know, and so we we just, I mean, and, and to this day, like I say, uh, he's been gone uh, since ninety or ninety one, and I've been gone since ninety three, and to this day we're yeah. still close as ever like i said we just talked yesterday two hours
2: yeah
0: yeah that's that's fantastic and you know and you mentioned uh, ken how there were a lot of temptations on the road and we we know that uh well superstar after superstar fell to those temptations mm-hmm. a lot of them aren't here today and, and I think people would find it first surprising because you played that character so well. They would have thought, "Oh yeah, he goes to the bar every night. He's all into that." And that was not anywhere near the case. And uh, you just didn't know about, you know, George, you no know, one man gang. You probably didn't know. But I think that people thought, you know, when they hear this, that would be that's very surprising to them because you you did uh, live that life. You were you had a you were very. Uh, attached to uh, your ministry that never left you didn't uh, right. didn't fall to those temptations and so uh, what George was a part of that I don't think you needed the uh, you know someone there to, to, to make you fight off these um, temptations or whatever but what was it about uh, your, your person that you were able really to, to not let any of that affect you because it affected so many
1: well you the, were a star well the, you know the thing about it is I I attribute that to the grace of God because we had we were had exposure to it,
2: oh, yeah, you know
1: you know yeah. that and and, and uh, but yeah. neither one of us ever had to die for it and even and at age sixty two, I have never been intoxicated in my life, never been high, nothing like that to this day. and uh, yeah. so that just yeah. wasn't my thing. And uh, you know, I've always been a family man. a dedicated. George is dedicated, and so it just wasn't our thing. And so, you know, we we spent practically my entire career up there until he left uh, together. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and how crazy was it though? You mentioned that that was all there. Uh, how, how crazy was it during those years? We're talking, you know, after '86, well into the '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Every town you guys went to, uh, it was just, I remember there would be, you know, you come out of those arenas, there'd be 10 deep uh, of people, of fans, just wanting to, to be near these guys.
1: Yeah. Before we get off of George, I, I want to say that I thought George was treated very unfairly in uh, in the WWE. And, uh, you know, we even talked about that on yesterday. And to some degree, it was his fault. Uh, because, man, right in the middle of, of being having a big, big push with Hogan. He requested, you know, some time off Uh, because, you know, he had a young kid and then his kids you know, my kids were, were just a a little bit older than George's, but he had a really, really young kid Mm -hmm. about three or four or something like that, you know, and he just would miss his wife and the kid. So, and, and and you know, when, when, when Vince has given you that, that big push that everybody wants, you know, uh, but after yeah. that I thought I thought Vince was, was, was extremely brutal uh in his dealing with, with George. You know, just you know, they man, they, they, they really didn't you know, George was a former world champion in UWF and everything. They just he was a big yeah. star in world class, one Eric. Everywhere he went, you know. But they uh they brutalized him, man. They say butchered his career. And I always thought it was in retaliation for for that. But uh, I just wanted to make my opinion known on
0: that. Well, and 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 now that you mentioned that though because One Man Gang was a a guy it was a tremendous character. I mean, it uh, was totally over. Mm-hmm. And uh I know that you had something to do with the Akeem character, but was it that, that why you know, I how did that come about though? Did they squash the One Man Gang and then they wanted to find something that was
1: going to, you know, squash him? Well, or what what well, that well, well you know vince would not have achieved in my humble opinion he would not have achieved the 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 the, the, the gigantic or enormous uh success that he had w- without being an opportunist and so mm-hmm. they they were really getting ready to end the one man game contract so when I came up, I went to George. Cause we we're very close and I went to George, yeah. and I, I, I said, man, I think I've come up with a way to convince Vince of, of, of how you can really blow up and make money. And, and, and that's, you know, he, he's about making money, you know? And, uh, and I yeah. said, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just call you a king. Say you from Africa, you come to the ring dancing and acting black, it'll go over. And so I went to him, he hollered, you know, he just he was he was he was enamored by it. And uh that's that's how that came about. And that added another two to three years to George's career.
0: I mean so it went from him, you think in a sense trying to kill off the one man gang character and and basically push him out of uh the WWF Mm -hmm. uh and then you came up with this character. Do you think that Vince thought it will never go over and I'm going to humiliate this guy in the process, and yet it that didn't
1: happen? I <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I don't think that's the case. Uh, there, yeah. there are people that Vince has wanted to humiliate. Okay?
0: Yeah, and he's done it. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah but but to be frank, you know, the man is a marketing genius. And and oh, he, no doubt and about he that. saw dollar signs with that a king doll and yeah. with the merchandise yeah. and with the character itself, you know, he he knew that we would we would put it over on T V and we did. And then you know they bought Sapphire in and they bought Dusty Rhodes in. See? Mm-hmm. So you really got you got the same thing all over again. Dusty Rhodes the whole character was was uh, emulating African-American people. And then he brings in Sapphire, which is a stereotypical type of thing, thing if you know what I mean. And uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so, you, you know, you had me out there, and then you had Akeem uh, as the African from the deepest, darkest Africa. So, man, we went around the country with it. Shelling out. You but know did that you, see it as, you were there? Yeah, but
0: uh did you see it as uh a heel character or a baby face when you envisioned it first? As a
1: baby face. And and yeah. I think that's I think that's where they I think that's where they got us. Uh they made it a heel character and the people wanted it as a baby face character. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, with the dance and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
1: it was yeah. yeah.
0: So you never you never saw it that way and you think that that was kind of part of it that
1: uh, they didn't sell it the right way that's what I think yeah I think that is that yeah. is the right way yeah. but I don't think that it was not a success yeah do you do you think so the was, uh if I may ask?
0: do I I think that I think it was tremendously successful okay. I mean that people remember that today i I I don't remember where I, I heard the story but he was somewhere doing a, a performance and Written like it wasn't that long ago when people started singing, you know, the song, and he started doing the dance, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I mean, yeah, it was. It, but could it have, you know, like you said, could it have been different? Yeah, I, I think so. But I mean, it was still very, very, uh, very much remembered today, and and, and people loved that yeah. character, uh, I, you know. And it and the thing is, Ken, back it, back then we were we really did draw the lines, you know, where it was you were either a baby face yeah. or you're a heel. Now. Right. You don't, you know, even in the late '90s, that started to get blurred, and I think that people even then saw right. it. Right? They didn't care what he did. They just, I like that character. I well, like let's, talk, you know, let's, talk about, does, let's talk
1: about let's talk about Jake the Snake Roberts. As you know, yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts was a heel. He, he was a heel. Yeah. The the yeah. fans turned yeah. him babyface.
0: There's nothing he could. There's nothing
1: about. he could do about it. And, and, and what he did, <laughs> he continued true. to act as a heel. They loved him.
0: Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah well, you're right. Uh, Steve Austin, Steve Austin should thank him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Cuz he got, he did. He did. He got away but but but, but I think even back there like that, that's a great example that you they can try and do it one way, but you can't make these people, you know, the crowd decide who they're going to like and who they're not going to like mm-hmm. for whatever reason. If they're good or bad. And that's what another yep. thing too, like with your character too. Uh there were people that loved to hate you, but there are people who loved to love you. Right. You know <laughs> what I mean? They they just loved your whole bit. I mean, I did. I just thought it was the it was brilliant.
1: Well, and
0: and you could do so many things. Well,
1: thank you. I you know? appreciate that. And we certainly tried to explore every possibility. Um. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and and that's what, like I said at the top of this, kid. There were there were uh, managers, and they were the you know the best of the best, and and you were uh, you were one of them. Uh, and completely unique, you know. Mm-hmm. Bobby was very was completely unique. Jimmy Hart was very unique, you know. And you know, uh,
1: uh, yeah, it, it's uh, when George and I were talking yesterday, he made the statement with the exception of Bobby the Brain Keenan. With the mm-hmm. exception of Bobby the Brain Keenan, and let me make sure that you uh, are understand. That I am in total agreement with him. With the exception of Bobby the Brain Heenan, I was just as good as anybody else who's ever been a manager in this business. But Bobby the Brain Heenan was just above everybody, all of us, in, yeah. my, in our yeah. opinions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you, you you feel the same way about Bobby, which, who I adored, too. Mm-hmm. But the same way I do, as it, far as it comes to announcers, I always say there was Gene Okerlund, and then there's the rest of us. And uh, you yeah. know, and Gene was one of a kind. There's there's no question, no about question
1: that, about you know, that. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. So. But
1: that, that Bobby Heenan man, I uh, love the guy. I really
0: love him. He uh, passed away at bit He was just mm-hmm. one of a kind. And you can uh, back me up on this that Bobby was the same. Backstage, as he was out on that stage, <laughs> always yes, he was. Yeah, so so damn funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when 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 did the uh, did you get to a point like in the career uh, with the WWE, and and uh, you would you would eventually, I guess they called take a leave of absence. But when oh, you no. came back, it was as the reverend uh, character. Mm-hmm. And was that something that you had always wanted to do to uh, eventually bring? That into what you did in professional wrestling, or how did that how did that happen?
1: Well, let me say this. Yeah. at that point they were getting ready to phase me out too, and uh, so that was something. That Vince came up to give me a shot in the arm and keep me around a little longer. Mm-hmm. But I was, <laughs> I was by my own admission, a horrible baby face, <laughs> and so. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the reverend thing just didn't work. It just, uh, I just. Yeah.
0: Well, we'd had slick for too long. Yeah. We'd had slick to too for <laughs> Yeah. Too it long. just yeah. didn't
1: work. And but what it was, oh. you know, it was a take on my real life. And it, do you remember that mm-hmm. Vince and the and the crew came to our, my church in Fort Worth and taped? And yeah. You know, yeah. They did a. Yeah. 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 And Vince, Vince listened to my sermon that Sunday, and and uh, he was a, uh, uh, he he was very impressed with it. So that's when he decided we're gonna uh, push this thing. So you know, I was preaching in all the venues every night. They let me go out and preach a sermon. You remember yeah. that?
0: Yeah, I, yeah. And it was uh, it was interesting how it was received by people. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was because, I, and I guess uh, in your ministry, I mean, you're you're supposed to witness. Uh, did you right? Feel that maybe you were reaching some people? I mean not necessarily a lot, but really there was uh, that a few maybe that your ministry was being uh you know used in in a in a very productive way.
1: Not only not are only doing not only outside of the business, but within the business as well. The several of the boys that I did to Christ. Really? Yeah. Among them was Mr. Fuji.
0: No he kidding. Now that would uh, I—I've never heard that. That floors mm-hmm. me.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: How did that come about? You know, Mister Fuji was aging at that time in his life, and sometimes mm-hmm. you know when people start aging, man, their perspectives change, and 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 and, and their pursuits as well. And uh yeah. and and you know I always talked about the Lord or talked about you know because guys would ask me you know. Well, you know, you know, when you go to the matches and in the dressing room and waiting, you're trying to come out, and you know, people just strike up conversations. And uh, man, I start yeah. talking about the Bible and preaching a little bit, and you know, the guys, they they like it, you know. And then, you know, some would like to, uh, which I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm not uh, too proud of this, but some would say, don't say anything to the rest of the boys. they were afraid about being uh, ribbed, you know. You know how the boys can be. You know, holy roller and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, yeah,
0: I did. Right. I did fight a people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's uh, that's 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 something. Uh, so uh, you, you mentioned the boss man, and you actually were you, you inducted him in uh, two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I mean, you, like you said, you didn't, you weren't best friends, but obviously there was a lot of respect that uh, you would do something like that.
1: Well, I'll tell you what hurt me about that situation. Mm. Prior to uh, the uh, festivities for the evening beginning, um, one of his daughters walked up to me and she said, you you didn't like my dad? I've never had my dad say that. And I had explained to her that I was doing a promo, you know, And, uh, Uh (laughs) you know, and it really bothered me because I didn't want her to think that her father and I were enemies. We were never enemies. We, 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 we just were not, we were, we were not running buddies. Can I put it like that? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, we got along well, but he went his way and I went mine when the met, when the matches were over, we weren't guys who went to lunch together. We didn't ride in the same car together. Uh,
0: yeah. We didn't room
1: together. So why induct him? Why induct him then? Well, that wasn't my choice. You know, uh, Vince. That's that's what Vince wanted me to do it. But I didn't. I didn't, oh, I didn't really? have a problem with doing it. We weren't enemies. I mean, it, it's not like we we yeah. we. You know, I am I hope I'm making myself clear. <laughs> there was no heat between us. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, that wasn't. It wasn't like we didn't walk in the dressing room, sit down, and talk and crack
0: jokes and stuff yeah yeah no you're just from different worlds some yeah guy, right you know, some guys mm-hmm. don't uh you mm-hmm. know they're not best pals but they certainly respect each other and mm-hmm. what they mm-hmm. do i mean that's that's all you can ask mm-hmm. and, and and it's true i mean uh you know ken I, I just remember that you were if we had an interview to do you were there uh early you were uh and everybody you know you were where you're supposed to be you always conducted yourself uh, so professionally and mm-hmm. as, that's the reason why you were so successful, and and now as you, and as you look back, and, and we talk about there was you know there's a price to pay, uh, you know with with family, and it's it's a tough it's it's tough, but uh, you blazed a trail, uh, you you did a lot for uh, people that came behind you, and, and, and an example of, of uh, managers. I mean, I, I wish they had, a, I wish they maybe it's just they can't find the talent anymore because uh, you guys were the best of the best and made, uh, you know the 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 show so much better the the entertainment so much better but when you look back now on your life what do you think i mean, uh, that period of time where uh god you you were everybody knew who you were around the world
1: i would love to become retroactive and go back to the 86 87 88 years of my life and relive that over particularly with what I know now as compared to what I know knew then and I, I, would, and I yeah. would just really really enjoy doing that and I do want to thank you for uh, the compliments that you just uh, 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 threw my way it meant a lot to me I appreciate that uh, I've always said that in most cases unless there's some bizarre uh, elements uh, present Good work, et- good work et- ethics usually produce positive results, and uh, I-, I stand on that, and that's the way I live my life.
0: And you continue to live your life that way, folks. It's, uh, it's got a very successful ministry still to this day, and uh, Ken, really, it's just been it's been awesome talking with you. And, and that's what I love about this podcast is people not only get to find out that. Uh, how you're living your life these days, days, but they also find out who you were at that point in time because people didn't didn't get that information. And uh, I think they learned a lot of uh, of uh, great information today about you. And I, I want to thank you for coming on primetime. Is there a way that they can get in touch with you at all? Do you have an email? Or, sure. I don't know if you do any of that, but they'd probably love to get in touch with you somehow.
1: Sure. Uh, my mailing address is P-O-Box. One six five eight five, Louisville, Kentucky. Four zero two five six.
0: All right, still doing it the old-fashioned way. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should. More of us should do that.
1: More of us should have a PO box. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and I would right, give about well. like my email address, but man, you know, it that would be it. Would it would more than likely be hundreds and hundreds, you know, coming in it would just overload my. You know, I wouldn't be able to handle my work, you know. So that's why I didn't yeah, do it like well, that. You're I still very much –
0: yeah, yeah, you're very much remembered today, man. I hope I see you down the road. I'd love to see you again.
1: Oh, man, it's been six years, so we got to get together here pretty soon somewhere. Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. All right. Man. All right. All
0: right, Ken, great chatting with you, and, uh, and take care. All right,
1: and uh, to the fans, thank you so much for your contribution to my career. Without you, it would certainly have been nothing – And I appreciate you and I love each and every one of you.